Good afternoon. Today is Friday, March 10th, 2017, and welcome to today's edition of the Voices for Racial Healing podcast on Blog Talk Radio. We are live, and I'm glad you've decided to join me today. I'm your host, Tishka Smith, and I have some allergies today, so I just want to apologize in advance. Okay, so before I begin today's show, I want to remind you all to tune in next week, Friday, March 17th, 2017 at noon, where I'll be talking with Lisa Parker, the founder and president of Peace Day Philly. Peace Day Philly was founded in 2011 by a small group of individuals and organizational representatives, including the UN Association of Greater Philadelphia as a grassroots initiative. Lisa, a mother and professional social worker, was inspired by the idea of a global day of peace and what that could mean in and for her hometown of Philadelphia. Peace Day Philly promotes and collaborates on programming related to personal, local, and or global peace on or around the United Nations International Day of Peace on September 21st every year. Peace Day Philly's focus is on building positive peace and creating the conditions for peace, unity, and justice through diverse and collaborative activities such as dialogue, skill and resiliency building, creativity, mindfulness, and citizenship. Peace Day Philly's overarching mission is to empower all people to collaboratively build a more peaceful and just world. And with that in mind, we will be chatting candidly about, among other things, how pursuing peace heals racial traumas and how Peace Day Philly will continue to be an effective mobilizing force for building peace and shared understanding during the age of Trump. Learn more about Peace Day Philly by going to the website, which is peacedayphilly.org. I am looking forward to chatting with Lisa next week, and I hope you will join us. Okay, so I'm extremely excited and privileged to be joined today by Bethlehem and Sad Patrick, the Philadelphia musical duo that has been captivating audiences in the city of brotherly love for more than five years with their well-recognized blend of Bethlehem's strong soulful soulful vocals and unique percussive style and Sad Patrick's sparse blues and jazz-infused guitar playing and nuanced songwriting. You'll have a chance to hear a little bit from their discography of powerful and moving songs of love, good love, bad love, love lost, and love that ought to get lost, and other struggles. Full disclosure, I'm a huge fan of both of them, And I am so glad to have them on today's show. Welcome, Bethlehem. Welcome, Sad Patrick. Hi. Thank Thank you you you. for having us. Great. I am so excited to have you both on today. Um, Just uh, for those who are listening, we will be taking calls at 516-387-1796. But let's spend a little bit of time talking about your collaboration. But before we even talk about that, Bethlehem. Um, yes, I had. I, I want you to talk a little bit about your origins. You can You come from a musical family, and yes. um, I've actually seen you perform with your dad and sister. And tell me what that's yes. like growing up with a musical family that's so <laughs> talented. Like you guys are just like it's just so much talent in your in your DNA. <laughs> Yes, yes. So the talent runs on both sides of the family. I, however, grew up um, underneath my father and my uncle singing, uh, along with his father. 
Um, so growing up um, with a musical family, there's a lot of singing. Uh, predominantly the singing is done in the bathroom. It's great acoustics in there. So, yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I grew up in a a, a Christian um, church, um, mm-hmm. and my father and his brothers um, did gospel quartet style singing. So they grew up under um, Sam Cooke and the Soul Stirs and the Mighty Clouds of Joy. So that was uh, predominantly my musical influence growing up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, Sad Patrick, are you? Uh, you're there. Um, talk about yeah. your your background. You you went to music school, and you you say you were a dropout. <laughs> well, I mean, for me to call it a music school is yeah. To call it a music school is a little bit of a stretch. Although I did learn a lot there. Uh, uh-huh. Long story short, um, years ago, I um, decided that you know. I wanted to try and pursue music and get better at it, you know, take some mm-hmm. formal instruction because mm-hmm. I had never had any, but there was no chance I was going to get into what I'm going to call a real music school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't read music. I've tried and tried, but it just doesn't stick in my brain. And okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not someone who was trained as a musician as a child. So <laughs> no chance I'm getting into Juilliard or settlements or anything like that. So okay. I looked around and I found the Calliope School of Folk Music and Dance in oh, Pittsburgh, okay. which turns out to be a collection of performing artists and instructors who are conducting classes, uh, usually evenings and weekends, in the basement of a senior center uh, in, the, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so classes such as Harmonica 101, songwriting, um, rhythm guitar one and two, finger picking, you know, all, all sorts of things like that. Okay. So I went to that. I went there and I studied there for um, probably about eight or nine months. Um, and I was not finding the music that I was comfortable singing with. Right. Okay. So their their emphasis is in a lot of folk songs, which, you know, lyrically, right, uh, just the words and the themes and the ideas behind them, I really like. But from the perspective of the way I like to sing and the way I hear myself sing, I'm not a major chord kind of guy. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a happy, uplifting, <laughs> you know, uh, three chord song kind of guy. So one day I happened to be in a in a nearby Carnegie Library, and I on a whim, checked out a book called Teach Yourself Guitar in Seven Days. Oh, um, wow. Which is impossible, but um, nonetheless, there was a page in there that was called Jazz Chords, Mm -hmm. and as soon as I was able to string a few of those chords together, I'd found the voice of my guitar. Okay. And I've been using, you know, using that, the the types of chords that you would typically find in jazz and blues music uh, since, and I find that uh, they they draw they draw the words out of me, so and they fit mm-hmm. my voice better. And then consequently, I think um, Bethlehem would agree. Uh, the songs that I write with those chords are the ones that she generally likes, gravitates towards, and actually winds up singing. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so that's yeah. you know it's interesting. So you two kind of come together um, to collaborate and create this, these beautiful moving love songs, but neither one of you did like the traditional route, took the traditional route to honing your craft. 
Do you right. find that that right. so do you find that that adds to the collaboration? Does it? I mean, does it make it even more meaningful um, to know that mm-hmm. you both kind of came to music not the traditional way, the you know non traditional way? So for me, um, you know, the big hype is going to school. And mm-hmm. um, it, it is a hype to be had. Like, you know, I think schooling is very important. However, I also find that um, there are pros and cons to everything. And I think that when it comes down to being musically trained, we are only exposed to the pros and not the cons. And okay. um through talking with people who are um, traditionally musically educated, they've shared with me that one of the cons, and that's the one that kind of really, like, stuck out to me, was that you get so technical that you tend to lose your creativity. Oh, okay. So I feel like, um, you know, going to music school, um, don't get me wrong, y'all, it's a great thing. I mean, I promote it. But when you understand the balance and how, you know, being technically trained is great, but don't forget to take your creativity along with you. And sometimes people dive so much into technical that they get less and less creative, um, and some of them wind up losing their creativity. So I feel like that's one thing that um, I've been able to keep, per se, or that's one thing I didn't have to struggle with. Um being as though that I wasn't, you know, um, traditionally trained musically. And, right. And, you know, having a battle with losing my creativity. And I think, for me, I'm I'm an artist. Like, I'm a very creative person. Mm-hmm. I'm a very visual person. So um, creativity is very important to me. So, you know, I think that's the beauty on my end of not being um, traditionally trained. Okay. What about you, Sam? Perspe- yeah, thank you. Uh, so, from my perspective, your you know your original question in terms of how does it help us? I think Bethlehem and I both being in that situation that neither one of us um, went and studied formally for years um, puts us on a more even footing when it comes to collaboration than it would if, say, she had a degree right? Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in vocal singing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, I think, you know, um, on, on one hand, we don't have the common language to share. In other words, I mm-hmm. can't tell her, no, I want you to go to a B flat, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't, I can't recognize pitches that way. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, you know, it, I can say it go like this, no, this, you know, and hit, and hit the note on my guitar. So, okay. so, you know, from that perspective, I think we're on the same footing from my personal mm-hmm. perspective. Um, you know, my life didn't work out that I could go to music school or that that was an option for me or even mm-hmm. music itself was an option for me until um, I was in my in my later twenties or early thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, I do from time to time when Bethlehem and I are on mixed bills, especially with jazz musicians, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do from time to time feel a bit sheepish because I don't know the same songs that they know. I don't have the same language that jazz players have. And I wish that I did from time to time 
so that I could, when we're in those situations, either collaborate better with that larger group of musicians or Mm -hmm. explain what Bethlehem and I are going to do in a language that they understand better so that they can, Mm -hmm. you know, add to what we're doing, you know, someone do a solo horn breaker or this or that or the other. So um, I think it it works well for us. Um, Mm -hmm. I still wish I, I had that education. I had that understanding, really. But, I mean, but just the, the you talk about language barriers um, between, mm-hmm. you know, the two of you, you guys are self-taught, you, you allow the process of creating, co-creating to be organic, you found your own language to collaborate and to talk to each <laughs> other with, and I yes. think that people respect that, right? Because I was reading mm, yes. what was said about you um, by John Batiste, right? The local duo blends the focused minimalism right. and poetic lyrics of folk tradition with simmering, freewheeling jazz and blues, slick guitars, soaring vocals, nuanced melody. So that, to me, I think is like a minor consideration, <laughs> right? You've been able, people have been able to really get what it is you all are doing. And it resonates right. with, with people who are, you know, who appreciate music, but and then, you know, and also people who write about music, who live and, you know, listen to music professionally and promote music professionally. Right. So people get it, right? So mm-hmm. to me, it's like, you know, that's like a minor thing, you know. Right. Um, people feel the music, whether they're trained or not. And I think right. ultimately as right. artists, you guys have, you know, have tapped into, a, you mm-hmm. know, a following of folks who get what it is you're doing and love what yes. it is you're doing. You know, when I posted yes. up that I was going to be talking with you all, the response mm-hmm. I got on Instagram was the largest response I've gotten so far since I've been doing this podcast. People love wow. you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, people love you. So, like, for me, I'm like, oh. whatever. You know, if the jazz musicians struggle to try <laughs> You know, that's like a minor thing. You know, part of of, of musicianship is, you know, improvisation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, ultimately they're going to jump on it and they're going to get it. Right. So, (laughs) so, um, so I want to go into your collaboration. Mm -hmm. You all have been, like, when I first found out that you all were coming together formally, I was like, wow, you know, what? Wait a minute, because I had, you know, yes. I came to know both of you all um, from an open mic um, mm-hmm. up in the Northwest at um, Wired Beans Cafe, which is now yes. Malalani Cafe. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I watched you both perform separately, and then I right. would see you all kind of partner together. And, you know, I was there photographing, but then I was like, that's neat. And just never thought mm-hmm. that there was something cooking <laughs> behind the scenes. And so yes. when you all came out as a duo, I was like, wow, this is excellent. So let's wow. talk a little bit about your collaboration, how how mm-hmm. the songs come to be. Um, Patrick, you do the songwriting, how the yes. words and the music come to be, and then Bethlehem, how you come into the process and mm-hmm. get your head and heart into the music so that when it comes out and you, like, move people 
to tears with your vocals. You know, how? let's get into that process. So I'll just Patrick. turn it over to you. So, uh, Patrick, you can um, go first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. Um, so, you know, for me, I would say 80% of the songs that I write, the music comes first. I find that I need to be in kind of a, most of the time I need to be in kind of a, I'm going to call it a spacey place, right, in order to write the lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to kind of get out of my own way, my my headspace sometimes to write the lyrics. So once I've come up with a chord progression, you know, a or even the complete, um, even the complete music of a song, I'll just play that over and over and over and over and over. And at some point, something will often just tap into my subconscious and that that'll bring out a phrase or a line. And then I'll just build on that once I've got the theme of the song. Um, Every once in a while, I'll write the words first, but it is exponentially harder for me to write music to words than it is to write words to music. If I'm starting Mm -hmm. with the words, it's an, it's an uphill climb. Um, I'd say more recently, probably over the last six months or so, um, a, another uh, musician from Germantown uh, area, Sarah Napolitan, had started a group of us that were writing, trying to write a song a week. Each of us was trying to write a song, our own song a week, and post it to YouTube mm-hmm. so that everyone else could see it, critique it, et cetera, et cetera. Through that process, I I ran out of subconscious stuff to write on. So I started looking at broader themes um, and started writing some of the songs of bigger struggle. You know, the songs about the city, the songs about immigration, the songs about um, having the deck stacked against you and trying to rise above that. So Mm -hmm. once I've got a song, uh, or, or usually once I've got two or three songs, um, when Bethlehem is over for a practice, I'll say, okay, Bethlehem has some new, some, some new things. Why don't you listen to them? And by that time, I know them well enough to play them all the way through. Um, because it's funny, once I've written a song, that doesn't mean I know it yet. It still takes mm-hmm. me a while to be able to perform it all the way through. So once okay. I can, I do that. And my vocal line is, um, if you could picture, <laughs> if you could picture, um, looking out over the plains, right? It's very flat. There's a little bump here and there's a little bump there in my vocal line in mm-hmm. what I'm singing. Um, if Bethlehem likes it, and she typically likes one out of every three or four, she'll sing it, and then the vocal line turns into a mountain range. Oh. It goes up and down and, up and has a lot more color to it, mm-hmm. right? So, Bethlehem, I'll let you take it from there. <laughs> yes. So um, I want to start off by saying – um, Patrick is a great songwriter, hands down. Um, he is very correct in that, um, you're welcome, man, that um, <laughs> I don't sing all of his songs. You know, um, my process comes into play where um, I have to connect with it. I have to connect with the chords he's playing. I have to connect with the lyrics. And that is the only way that I'm able to convey it to uh, my audience, whoever, you know, they are. Because if it does nothing for me, then it's it's not going to do anything for you guys. You know what I mean? So if that song don't work on me really good first, then I can't convey it emotionally so that mm-hmm. 
it can work on y'all. So um, I'm also grateful that um, Patrick is very generous um, as far as allowing me to create um, my atmosphere within the song. So um, when we first uh, started working together, you know, he would outline it a little more than what he does now. You know, like, Beth and I wanted to go up here, and I would follow that lead, but he was, even then, he was still gracious. Like, you know, if you feel anything else, you know, it's yours. Like, go ahead. And now it's kind of like he sings the song through so I can get the, the gist of how it's supposed to go. And then as the connecting goes um, uh, instrumentally with me and lyrically with me, so now he just laid down the foundation, and now I can make it my own. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very thankful that um, he allows me that creative space within his work. Yeah. So let's, yeah, Beth, I want to talk. You got. I love, <laughs> like, I watched your, you know, videos as I was preparing mm-hmm. for this episode. And there's, like, this really, like, seriousness to the two of you that, you know, that you work together. And I know you take your work seriously. But I just mm-hmm. want to ask, how are your practice sessions? Do you all joke around? Because I saw a little bit of that come through in one of the uh, videos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, I bet, um, they, I bet they have a lot of fun. Yeah. In our way. Like, um, I'm very serious about my music. Um, whether it's music that I write myself or music that I'm singing, I'm very serious about um, the material that I'm I'm working on, I'm connecting to and I'm connecting with because it's important. You know, music is healing. Like, it, is, yes. it helps us along our journey. It helps us get through this thing called life, this Prince said so eloquently. And so mm-hmm. I take it very serious. Um, but in rehearsal, you know, it's a process. Like, learning the song is a process. It's not a difficult one. But it's a process nonetheless. So you gotta have fun in there. You know, you gotta, uh, yeah, be playful with the music. And I think that's a part of navigating through the song is that mm-hmm. it can be playful. It can be um, something that you can laugh at. Something you can like. Darn it, I missed that. Or you know, but it's all a part of the process of getting to the end result. And so it's like once you've introduced yourself lyrically and instrumentally to the song um, in different facets, now you're ready to introduce it to the world or mm-hmm. to your audience. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that process, the playfulness and all, it's all important to me. So, yeah. Yeah, and my uh, my perspective is on it is, um, you know, we're not, it's not like we're cutting up all the time during, during practice, um, mm-hmm. but... Um, <laughs> you know, two two things. One, Bethlehem is a great laugh, so I like making her laugh from time to time. <laughs> and number two, <laughs> and number two, you know, I never, I never finish a practice. I think I might have mentioned this to Bethlehem the other day when we were talking about something else. I never finish a practice and say, "Well, that was a pain in the in the ass," or "That was a real drag," or "I didn't <laughs> like that," you know. Um, especially if it's an, an instance where it's a new song and Bethlehem, okay. you know, I played a few songs for Bethlehem and she liked one of them that I'm so stoked. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's right that in the beginning I was a, a bit more of a control freak 
now that we've done a number of these songs together, um, I've, I've complete confidence in whatever Bethlehem chooses to do with the vocal line. You know, there might be a phrase here or two that I want her to land on a certain way, right, in terms of where, but I'm not mm-hmm. I'm generally not as concerned with uh, what the note is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, no, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's a pleasure working with Bethlehem. And it comes through in the music. I mean, and I and I, I guess what I was trying to get at and asking about how much playfulness um, infuses your times together as, as as collaborators because of the heaviness of the music. Um, you know, is there a balance struck um, as you're dealing with uh, yeah, this that's material a- that's so you know that's so profoundly um, deep and heavy? I mean, love is yeah. not a is not a trivial matter. You know, love mm-hmm. can be painful. Love can be, you know, very demoralizing. Even mm-hmm. in its highs, you can, you know, you're always wondering, you know, is this love real? Is this love true? Is this love going to last? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so love is no joke. But you find yeah, ways you to there, joke with each other and, and, and enjoy each other's company. And I'm wondering, um, like, mm-hmm. between the times you come together and re- rehearse, is there any is there a lot of dialogue in between the sessions like via text and email um you know communication of that sort between the two of you like between between the time you come together rehearse and the next rehearsal yeah i mean there's typically a fair amount because you know we are also our management team right mm, okay we're also our booking agent we're also our publicist what you right? mean you have like so, a team yeah, yeah, it's called Bethlehem and Sad Patrick. <laughs> so, you know, and we're we got to work on gigs. that. We would, you know, we're playing two or three weekends in March, and we'd love to be playing all of them. We'd love to play. I mean, April, and we'd love to be playing all of May. We'd, you know, we'd love to get more and more, more and more gigs as Bethlehem's schedule allows. Um, so, you know, there's a fair amount of going back and forth, and you know, what they want to pay us fifty dollars to sing for three hours. Not sure about that, or. <laughs> um, yes, the poet. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do this. Or, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of mechanics and that sort of thing to deal with, um, uh-huh. and and other stuff that we might be communicating about. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's before we jump in, we're going to play um, three songs um, from mm-hmm. your discography, and these are these recordings are special, and I'll, I'll let you all explain why they're special. Um, they were recorded. Um, by WXPN, and I'll just let you all explain, you know, and tell the backstory about the recordings. So, are we going to do them one at a time yes. to talk about yes, each song? Or? Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll. But I want you to kind of set up like how this all right. came to be, how the recordings how happened. They, yeah. So, long story short, um, WXPN has been great to us. They've been really wonderful. They've really um, given us a home, it, whether it's the disc jockeys that are playing our songs. Um, that generally are happier songs, but our songs uh, on these uh, shows on uh, Saturday and Sunday morning or being on the folk show with Ian Zolator or this key studio session, which was a dream of mine. You know, it's a great thing that WXPN does, and it's really John uh, who's doing it, who – brings artists in to the studio and mm-hmm. has them record three or four songs and does a little bit of an interview, gets some background on them, and then 
posts both video of one of the songs and then the audio of the rest of the songs up on their webpage and up on uh, their SoundCloud page. And they've been, John's been nice enough to also um, allow us to take those recordings and put them on a CD. So we'll be doing a, a little EP, actually, a home pressing mm-hmm. of of three or four of those songs. So, or maybe all of those songs. Um, but it's just, I mean, it was, I, I don't have many experiences like that, Bethlehem may, but it was just wonderful to go in because we recorded our first CD in my spare bedroom and I was at the controls, which mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever do again. It was just so nice to go in and it's a wonderful studio right there at XPN and John's a really nice guy uh, and obviously knows his stuff. So it was great to have mm-hmm. someone else taking care of us and giving us the space, not only the space, the physical space, um, but, you know, the mental space to do that and then giving us a platform to um, post those songs where, you know, the reach is much wider than bsadmusic.com or our Facebook page. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they've just been great. They've been great. great. And I just tweeted out that you just gave him a shout out. (laughs) Great. Wonderful. Um, Great. (laughs) So we're going to be playing three songs. And I'm going to start with the song entitled Rise. And um, if you could maybe just give me kind of some background on this song. And before I just, before I press play here, um, Patrick, that would be great. Sure. So, the song actually came from, um, or there, there are two parts to the song, really. Well, actually, no, I take that back. There's three parts to the song. There's the verse, the chorus, and then there's the piece at the end. And mm-hmm. um, in a way, the three of those all came from three separate places. Um, okay. The verse really came from, um, <laughs> there's a song by a group named Dire Straits called Your Latest Trick. There's a line in that song that says um, prehistoric garbage trucks have the city to themselves. And I don't remember how or why, but I got that line in my head and that gave me the line, another downtown dinosaur has lost his way. Uh And this Mm. is one of those cases where the line that I had wasn't the chorus. It wasn't even the first line of the song. It was somewhere near the third verse or the fourth verse, but that gave me enough to pull out the verses and then just just kind of uh, naturally based around the chord progression for the chorus, um, Oh My City, It's Time For You To Rise, just kind of came out. And with the two of those, that, that sent me back, which created the beginning of the song, which is walking along during, you know, the, the hours where it's uh, too late, for, too early for early and too late for late, right? And then the last piece, I don't know where the last piece came from. <laughs> okay. It just kind of it just kind of happened. I you know, I've I've heard other bands do songs that um are either fast songs with a little slow bit at the end or slow songs with a little fast bit at the end. And I like that um dynamic variety in a song. So um you know, at any point in time I probably have ten or eleven scraps of paper on my music stand, each with a different set of chord progressions. And it's entirely likely that I thought I was picking up the piece of paper that I had the chords for the main song written on, and I didn't, and I picked up something else and started playing those, and I thought, wait, wait, I know what I'll do with this. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, 
that's okay. that's how that song happens, and I think the theme, you know, really speaks for itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Bethlehem, before I press play, what mm-hmm. can we expect to hear from in terms of how you vocally style, um, your vocal style? Um, you call yourself a vocussionist. Yes. Um, um, are we going to hear that in this recording or or what? I believe it's a, it's a, so. It's a sight to behold. Yes. Like you can't, it's just so right. hard to just describe it. You have to see it. So <laughs> yes. I just want <laughs> you just have yes. to see it. Um, mm-hmm. But you'll de- mm-hmm. you'll definitely be able to hear. It. In addition, you'll also hear the part that Bethlehem created that was not originally part of the song, which is her introduction to the song, which you'll be able to oh. hear here. But to see her do it is also amazing. Okay. All Thank right. You. So with that yeah. said, we're mm-hmm. gonna press. I'm gonna press play. And mm-hmm. here we go. Rise, rise it is. Oh, I said, it's time for you. 
like that so mm-hmm. when you were in the studio and that happened how did it feel that felt great it, you know it's funny yes. <laughs> you were telling you were saying before about laughing and the sad songs and all of that one of the things that I sometimes have to struggle with is after we get done doing one of our songs um, even mm-hmm. a sad one you know <laughs> it touches me but it makes me smile so we've just uh-huh. sung this heart Bethlehem has just sung this heartbreaking song and I'm there. Yes. I'm up there with a grin from ear to ear <laughs> because I like oh, it so much. <laughs> so yeah. Bethlehem, talk talk yeah. a little bit about the. You call yourself, like I said before, we played the song of a, a vocationist. So yeah. what what inspires you to incorporate the percussion into into your style? So. The the big secret, quiet as it's kept, is not so quiet though. <laughs> I'm not an instrumentalist. Uh-huh. Like I don't know I don't know how to play any musical um instrument. And mm-hmm. so but I hear the music, I hear the rhythm, the melody, everything in my head. So, you know, my um challenge was um how can I convey um what it is that I'm hearing in my head to my audience. And mm-hmm. so I definitely went old school. You know, growing up with that uh, quartet gospel southern yeah. style of singing, you know, there's a lot of stomping and clapping to hold mm-hmm. the beat. Like um, me growing up under my father and my uncles, the only instrumentalist within um, their group was my Uncle Linwood, um, mm-hmm. and he was a guitarist, and that was it. And he played southern pool style uh, guitar playing. That was his thing. So it wasn't nothing real intricate, but you know, he did, he worked with what he had. And so there was mm-hmm. a lot of clapping and stomping. And, you know, you had one of my uncles holding the bass line when the other one is doing the doo-doo-doo-doops. And then, you know, the other mm-hmm. one holding the harmony. So, yeah, I was um, heavily influenced um, with that musically. Um, so, yeah, you know, but I thought that was something you just did with a group. You yeah. know, or like something you worked out in the bathroom until you can get with some really great musicians. And uh-huh. then... You teach them that, and then so um, my disclaimer would be, you know, trying to get up out of my head like these people gonna think I'm crazy. So my disclaimer would be when I would perform would be, um, uh, you know, listen, y'all, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm just trying to work this thing out, so don't pay me no mind. You know, y'all hear me okay. do a baseline or you know, stomp and clap, and they would laugh, of course, and which mm-hmm. was good. So then I would just, you know, do my thing. So mm-hmm. right, so um. So I'm sorry. Okay. So um, <laughs> my father's calling me. Anywho, okay. Um, you know I would do that, and then um, you know they would enjoy it. Now all the while I'm praying, mind you, asking uh, the creator to give me something unique to me. I don't want to be like everybody else. 
you right. know, and so I didn't realize, but mind you, this is just temporary in my mind. You know, I'm just doing this until I get with some really great musicians and, um, you know, teach them my music and then that's that. And so um, as the creator would have it, it caught on. It caught on. And so, yeah, um, yeah it stuck. And I was like, hey, I'm going to work with it. So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's funny because the same stomping and hand right. clapping inf- yes. has influenced hip-hop. I was on my workout yesterday, and I, I was listening, I don't know, something, fast-paced. Mm-hmm. And the same sort of, you know, stomp, stomp, clap, stomp, you know, um, right. came up in a song. And I thought about you, and I'm wondering how much, of, how much has hip-hop influenced your style as well? Mm. Now, that's a good question because, honestly, uh, very little, if any, at all. Like, I pull mm-hmm. from my childhood, from me seeing my okay. dad and my uncles do it. You know what I mean? Like, when I go into hip-hop, I'm basically listening to, like, the beats, but not to influence me mimicking it, right. but just enjoying it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Very, um, you know, I like a good groove and a good beat, like the next one. But yeah, it's not like I studied it to implement it within, you know, my style or whatever. That solely mm-hmm. came from my childhood growing up. So, um, yeah, well, that's interesting to hear that because um, mm-hmm. you know, I think when you're kind of like immersed in the culture, uh, we all mm-hmm. are influenced in some way, shape, or form by hip hop. But hip hop has been yes. influenced by blues, jazz, um, R&B, gospel. Um, so it's all right. kind of like this gumbo, right? It, you, you don't know what begin, where it begins and where it ends. Um, right. But I just wanted to mention that, like, when I heard it on this song, I'm walking home, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I thought of you. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure <laughs> right. that I asked the question. Um, and, and then I, the I other appreciate question, that question, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no problem. Um Okay. So the raised wooden box, call is it called a tarima? A tarima? Yes, a tarima. tarima. Yep, okay, tarima. so talk, yes. talk a little bit about that because you, I've seen you perform live several times. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you come out with this thing and you put it down and you get on it and you start doing <laughs> your thing. Yes. <laughs> and oh. it's not just a regular box. It's not like some box you can get on the, on the curb, you know, Right. So right. talk a little bit about that. <laughs> so um, the first thing I invested in before the tarima came into place was tap shoes because okay. I wanted people to hear my feet on different surfaces. Oh, okay. But that wasn't as effective as the tarima was. So, you know, mm-hmm. you see me come up with tap shoes, the first thing, you know, your average person will think is she's going to start tapping. So I will talk about another disclaimer. Y'all don't expect me to go up here and start tap dancing. That ain't what I do. You know, they would laugh or whatever. So, you know, I mean, it was this guy on yeah. the jazz scene, Victor Puentes, trumpet player. Oh, really, I know really Victor. good dude. Yes. Yeah. And um, Vic was like, you know, he saw me do my thing a few times. like, yo, Beth, you know, you should get a tarima, man. So I'm like, what's, with, you know, what's that? Like, so we started talking. He brought me over to um, his uncle, um, Polo Ramirez. Uh-huh. Um, he brought me over to his place, um, Elder from Chile. We chit-chatting. We talking about this tarima. I said, okay, I need something portable, you know what I mean, that I can carry with me and everything. But I like good quality stuff. So I was like, look, I want mahogany wood. I want the best. 
And Polo gave me that price, and I said, baby, I can't afford that, but what's the next best thing that you can give me? So that's uh-huh. what he recommended, um, the the poplar wood and the pine wood. So the top of my tarima is made from poplar wood, and the outsides are made with pine wood. Okay. And so that poplar wood kind of hung out in the back of my head. I love telling this story. It's so significant. Um, it kind of hung out in the back of my head, and it's a poet named Terry Knight Outlyon. Um, yeah, I, know I was working with her, yes, mm-hmm. and she was like, um, you know, baby, it's in you talking about music. You know, you just got to be exposed to it. So she put me on to Billie Holiday, and she was like, I want you to listen to her and listen how her voice is melancholy, but it still has life in it. Like, she's not dead, but it's it's a very uh, a melancholy tone to her singing. So I was like, all right, so... I'm getting this, I'm in the process of getting this tarima made, and a tarima is made of the Spanish culture. It is um, also known as a, or it's also a soapbox or a platform. So um, soapboxes were used uh, predominantly, um, like in the 60s and 70s, people would stand up on them and preach or Mm -hmm. deliver a message. And then, of course, um, it being a platform, some of our ancestors were sold off a platform off the oh, block. Okay. okay. Right? So yep. um this 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 board is very, very significant. So getting back to the poplar. So poplar kinda hung out in the back of my head when Polo said, you know, I can make the top of poplar wood, um, you know, and then I referred back to Terry Line. I didn't make the connection, but I listened to Strange Fruit. Uh huh. Body swinging off a of poplar tree. Mm, and I said, yes. oh, my God. Now, mm-hmm. my name, I wrote my name in the Ivri on the front of the board. Okay. And my name, my birth name is Bethlehem. So in Hebrew or in the Ivri, it is pronounced Beit Lechem, which mm-hmm. literally means house of bread. Now, listen, mm-hmm. honey, I love me some bread just like the next man <laughs> on a physical sense. But <laughs> in addition to that, um, bread nourishes, it feeds people. And yes. so when you combine all of those elements, my style, my approach, um, the spirit that comes out within the music, I'm feeding people. And the music is feeding me first, like I said. Therefore, I'm able to feed people. So that that tarima, that the wood that is made out of, like, it's just, I know that it was divinely made for me mm-hmm. and what it is that I do and my purpose artistically. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember when I saw you do it the first time, I was like, oh, snap. Right. <laughs> she's taking this to the, you know, she's like going to the next level. I mean, just, oh, you know, it's just, you know, the, <laughs> you know, not just the, I mean, it's a visual thing. So you're like, you're like, okay, so which of my senses do I engage? The, the, my eyes, my ears. It's just, it's a, it's a wow. feast. You talk about feeding, it's a feast. And it's just, it definitely sets you apart. I mean, your voice itself is very unique. It's, 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 you know, how, what's your range, by the way? Mm-hmm. Thank what's your, you. What's your range, Bethlehem, in terms your, your vocal range? Because so... you, you're able to project your voice, you know, it's just amazing without a mic how you can project your voice. But when you have, when you are mic'd, it's even more grand. You're like, it's still Thank big you. Um, But what's your vocal range? I believe that I'm an alto. I was told 
that I was a first soprano. Okay. I'm not too sure about that. I do have a heavy voice. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I can, you know, get those high notes on a good day. So, yeah. And I, okay. I love my low notes, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's I a very your voice. Is it is. I mean, it definitely is. Thanks. Um, but, you know, to hear alto with such power, mm-hmm. you know, and Thank such emotion. You. And, you know, I'm I'm sitting here in my room and I'm, you know, gesturing with my hands and nobody's here, obviously. <laughs> I don't even know why I'm doing that, but your emotion, your, your okay. music, your, you know, just inspires. I mean, it's inspired my photography. Um, I love photographing you. Um, and I, Thank you know, I try you. to, you know, through the medium capture what I'm feeling and experiencing when I hear your voice. Um, mm. So with that said, let's move on yeah. to the next song on mm-hmm. um, the day's called Better Days. Patrick, mm-hmm. can you give a, a, just a brief um, synopsis of what, what we'll expect to hear on this song? Sure. So um, this is one where, again, the, you know, the chords for this came first. Um, and it's really all about, um, you know, uh, trying to get out of your own way. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's, it's, a, it's a recurring theme in my life. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially, you know, trying to get trying to get to the place where the lyrics are coming out, really, mm-hmm. or trying to get to a place where you're relaxed when you're up on stage playing guitar, right? Mm-hmm. Or trying to get to a place where you're not so worried about the stuff that just does not matter, right? Mm-hmm. But you're not there. You've been trying. You keep trying. You keep trying. Yeah. You're still not keep- there. Uh-huh. Maybe maybe you need to give up. But yet we don't give up. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't need to give up. Maybe you can just get away from it. That's But it's that's not really... it's nothing wrong with giving up. I read I heard somewhere, I don't know, I got an email about something where it said sometimes it's okay to quit and I know that you talk about love in the context of sometimes walking away from it or, you know, Love that ought to get lost. So it's not work. Yeah. Love doesn't always work out, and that's no, okay. And, you know, be it love or be it whatever, there are a lot of things that we do that we do because at some point in time they worked for us, um, or we thought they were a good idea, and it's just not working, or it's just not a good idea. And mm-hmm. it's an effort. It's sometimes the harder thing to do is say, you know, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's let's go ahead and and set this up. I'm going to press play. Better days, everyone, on Voices for Racial Healing.
Right, that was Better Days by Bethlehem and Sad Patrick, and I am so Thank glad you. to have you here today on uh, Voices for Racial Healing. Um, Patrick, talk about the guitar that you used um, on this session um, recording with uh, at WXPN. How many so guitars do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, do I have to count the ones that I have in different states? You can count as many as you want. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, probably nine. I think I probably okay. have nine guitars. Now, 
a couple of them, to be honest, a couple of them are really inexpensive guitars from the 1950s, 40s, 50s, or 60s um, mm-hmm. that just look gorgeous. You know, okay. they play like monsters, but they just look great. And I kind of treat those as sculpture, right? Mm-hmm. I do keep them stringed up. I do keep them tuned. I do sit them down and play them every once in a while because they have a unique sound. But they're, but they're pretty, relative to, to my other guitars, they're pretty hard to play. Um, okay. The first guitar I ever purchased when I decided I wanted to learn guitar was a guitar by a company called Seagull. They make um, acoustic guitars, and their uh, company, they're affiliated with somehow, or they're all the same company called Godin, makes the electric guitars. And the Seagull, I was convinced it was the hardest guitar in the world to play after mm-hmm. I purchased it. Turned out it was just me. Turned out I just needed to learn how to play. Okay. Um, and as I did over the years, the guitar, which at that point was an acoustic guitar, um, just got richer and richer sounding, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was just that I learned how to play better. I think it was just, I think it's, you know, some guitars, as they age, I believe, sound better. So like when why? I went to look, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I then bought a, a um, an acoustic electric uh, seagull that I still have and still love. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started doing more jazz oriented things, um, I wanted to get a, what's called a hollow bodied electric guitar. So mm-hmm. it doesn't make much sound when it's not plugged in, but it has a different tonal quality than a solid body electric guitar, like a Fender Stratocaster or something like that. Um, and it's called a Godin, that's the name of the company, um, King, I don't know, Kingpin something, Fifth Avenue something. Uh, yeah, Godin Kingpin, Fifth Avenue it's called. So um, what I like about it, uh, number one, uh, it, it's really easy to play. Um, it's got a, a space towards the body of the guitar that's cut away where I can get my hand in to play higher notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a great tone. It's got very simple controls. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I just enjoy it. Okay. So we're going to play one more song entitled Mother okay. of Exiles. And Patrick, could you just give a little bit of background about the song before we play it? Um, yes. Now, this is a song that actually did come word first. And mm-hmm. this song came during the presidential election season. Okay. Because I was hearing our current press, the press, sorry, our current president, uh, spout his lies about immigrants, okay, and his lies about how immigrants were stealing jobs, and his lies about how we were in danger because of an onslaught of immigrants, and the same exact things that people said about my grandfather when he came over in the Great Irish Migration, and guess what? turned out not to be true then isn't true today mm-hmm. so so this is personal for the, you really personal yeah it's very it's very personal for me mm-hmm. you know there's a line in the song that says round and rounds for a thousand years or something politicians trade on fears well it's true you can look back through history and see you can go online and google and see posters that say things like irish need not apply yeah right you can you can see um, 
political cartoon after cartoon after cartoon or read editorial after editorial after editorial that talks about how this latest wave of immigrants is a danger to our way of life. Mm-hmm. And it's just BS. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. um, you know, with all of that, I was motivated to write something and um, I was reminded of the poem that Bethlehem speaks at the beginning of the song, uh, which mm-hmm. is the poem that is on the statue at the base of the Statue of Liberty, mm-hmm. uh, which talks about the ideals of America as a country for immigrants. And mm-hmm. that led me to thinking about, okay, as an immigrant, what's my feeling today? And, and that's mm-hmm. the song. Okay. Bethlehem, how did it feel performing this song? Oh, this song um, is will definitely take you um, to a different level. Okay. The connection that I had to this song was uh, very deep. I really had to um, certain words like just you know triggered out at me, and and usually you know um, sometimes with some of Patrick's songs, I want him to explain to me his process. That uh-huh. way I'm gathering information from him, and once that happens, I'm able to hone into that, which will, you know, bring out the final product. So, yeah, it was it was quite an experience doing this song. It's, it's something that when I perform, I want people to truly pay attention to um, the lyrical um, uh, foot. What do I want to say? Images that this song can portray, and I try okay. to convey that emotionally uh, really okay. well. But yeah, it's a song to pay attention to. Okay, all right. Well, with yeah. that said, "Mother of Exiles" by Bethlehem and yes. Sad Patrick of Be Sad Music on Voices for Racial Healing. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to be free. Send these, the homeless, tempest talk to me, mother of exile. Outside it's cold and gray, people don't you get in my way, the margins are wide enough. Hey, hey, hey. 
healing um thank you wow like one of the things that that i love that you do best is like you go into this this alternate universe and you start scatting and what's happening like you take the lyrics and you go off into another (laughs) world what's going through your mind and your heart and your spirit as you're performing you know what's interesting like just listening to that song, I don't went into another world like, wow, man. Like, so when I'm up there performing, I I truly connect. It's almost like I'm looking at the lyrics face to face. Like I'm I'm having a very in-depth conversation with the lyrics of this song. And the melody or the chords just allow me to embrace the lyrics. Like it it the music tells me how to hold each lyric, how okay. to um convey it, how to speak about it. Because like I said, this song is something that, you know, one should definitely pay attention to. And so mm-hmm. certain words um you wanna punch because it's like you want to send that message across, like you want to um, wake people up or you want to introduce them to something. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You want to get them to start thinking again. So it's a very powerful song. So, yeah, I go off in a space where I'm putting down ego, I'm putting down um, uh, doubt, I'm putting down me second-guessing myself, um, mm-hmm. You know, is that the right note? What of like the song is is holding me and using me as a vessel to send out the message that it needs to send out. So I'm just basically putting down me and allowing the song to pick me up and use me in the way that it needs to, so that I can speak to the people. Okay, that's I think that's beautiful. the best way to describe it. And if I can add one thing for this particular song, I think it works exceptionally well because when I was listening to it this time, I'm thinking, okay, she's already introduced the idea in the in the first verse that she is an immigrant. She is from another land, mm-hmm. right? And then you get to where the chorus would be, and it's an obvious place of emotion. Mm-hmm. And what you hear is what could be her language. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how does it feel, Pat, uh, Patrick, to hear Bethlehem talk about 
how your the words that you write and the melodies that you compose inspire her that way. Like she's literally yes, having yes. a conversation with these words. <laughs> she's performing. Yeah. That's you know, it's 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 not just you know, a body just, you know, kind of taking them off the page and singing them. She's yeah. literally like having this conversation and what comes out is what she feels is what she's led to say and interpret mm-hmm. from that conversation. How does that make you feel? You know, it feels fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's like I said before, it's not every one of my songs that Evelyn sings. Uh-huh. So when we come across one that she likes, you know, mm-hmm. I know it's got something and I know yeah. it connects with her. Mm-hmm. And if it connects with her, I know when she sings it, it's going to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. So, and that it does. It feels great. That it does. So with the time that we have left, mm-hmm. we have about 15 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are on the web. You have a website, bsaidmusic.com. You're on YouTube. You're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. What is next for you all in terms of projects, appearances, venues? Where, where can we so find from the, you coming up? So from the perspective of of the appearances and where you can find us, we we don't have much going on in this month because in theory this was the month that we were going to get into the studio to start recording our next CD. Okay. Um, I've had some personal things that come up that uh, mm-hmm. make that a, a little bit difficult. We'll see how that mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. But in terms of coming to see us, uh, you're, you've got a number of great opportunities in April, uh, starting out with um, in Media, Pennsylvania. It will be at the 15th Annual Americana Roots Ramble on Saturday, mm-hmm. April the 18th. Uh, we'll be playing at a, a wonderful French restaurant called La Belle Epoque on State Street in Media. Okay. Uh, that one is so new, I haven't actually even added it to the website yet. But oh, I'll okay. do that today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, right. That's good. Uh, on the 9th of April, the day after that, we'll be playing at the Folk Factory, um, which is at the, um, I want to say the Church of the Unification, but I'm not sure if that's actually the name of it, the church on uh, Stanton Avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, with Acoustic Blender, that's another uh, Mount Airy uh, uh, musical group. Mm-hmm. And then um, we'll be playing a wonderful and unique event at 30th Street Station, which I actually have written at least one song about. Okay. Um, on April 15th as part mm-hmm. of uh, a collaboration and a series of events at the intersection of um, National Poetry Month and Jazz Appreciation Month, I believe it is. Um, it's being, um, they're putting on uh, pop-up uh, poetry readings, et cetera, et cetera, uh, all around the city. And we've been invited um, as part of one of the events to play a few songs at 30th Street Station. So oh, this okay. is a collaboration between our Philadelphia's own Poet Laureate Yolanda Wisher, and yeah, Philadelphia yeah. Contemporary, mm-hmm. which is a, an organization in um, in Philadelphia that endeavors to show forward-thinking, high-quality uh, art in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so those are the, the three next. Go ahead. Yeah, those are the, those are the three next things in April. And uh, if I get off my uh, couch, I'll uh, get to 
the website uh, updated with uh, the, that one event, and then you can see the rest of them there. But okay. uh, I will say we are available. <laughs> so you, you hear can that. also contact us. <laughs> you can also contact us on the yeah. website or uh-huh. contact us at bsadmusic at gmail.com. That's B-E-S-A-D music, all one word, pushed together, at gmail.com. Uh, if you've got a venue uh, or an event and you are looking for that from inside Patrick. All right. So everybody get on it. Book these fantastic <laughs> artists. So you all are you you've been collaborating for five years and but you all do you do stuff separately though, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what are you all working on individually? If you feel like talking about that. I'm not a woman, so I'll turn this over to Bethlehem. Okay, okay Bethlehem. <laughs> so um <laughs> I am uh working on a few things. So uh, March 31st, I'll be singing at a church in West Philly. Oh, okay. Um, yes, with Janet. I think Janet is sponsoring this event. Mm-hmm. Um, and then April the 28th, I'm a part of this um, collective of uh, female vocalists called Sisters Attuned, mm-hmm. and we will be at Venice Island. Oh, okay. Um, April the 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, the show starts, I believe, at 7 p.m. I share it and post the, um, the links and stuff on Facebook. Okay. So, yeah, you can find me on Facebook. That's where most of my postings will be, like what I do okay. um, outside of St. Patrick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, you're pretty busy. You stay, you stay busy. I always see your name popping up on a variety of different things. And you have recorded projects in the past. Are you recording anything new? Um, I'm in the process of it, yes. Okay, that sounds good. Yep, so we can look process. for that. Um, yes. That's exciting. Very exciting. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah. So we can find you on YouTube, your collaboration yes. on YouTube. You have a YouTube channel. Um, mm-hmm. There, There's a lot of content there. You have, you're on Twitter as Be Sad Music. Um, mm-hmm. You're also on Facebook as Bethlehem and Sad Patrick. Um, mm-hmm. Anywhere else on the internet other than your website, bsadmusic.com? Anywhere else we can find? Um, I, find have a, I have a, neg- we have a neglected Instagram account. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll post a picture or two, two today. Let's, let's call it underutilized. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you said Instagram earlier, I thought, "Oh yeah, that's right. We've got one of those." So, <laughs> but it's I'll dig through all of our form. recent photos and post them up there. And so what's I just sent you handle? a B-side music. B-side music. Okay. Cuz yeah. I know that I tagged I tagged you Bethlehem on the podcast promo that I did on Instagram. Um, yes, I saw that. Thanks to you. Yeah, I'll definitely um, tag Be Sad Music also. Um, so the so, uh, picture that I just sent that I just sent you, Tish, is the is the album cover I just or the cover I just worked up for the CD. Where it's really going to be an EP of the songs that were recorded for our key studio session. Oh, okay. And the only. 
And the only place people will be able to purchase that will be at our performances. Oh, so they got to come out. They have to literally come out of their homes, get off the internet, and come see you in person. (laughs) Which is an awesome sight to behold. Uh, It would be definitely worth it. Um, But I'll definitely put this up also. Um, So we have about eight minutes left. Is there anything else that let's go back to the idea of love. Okay. Love mm-hmm. in the age of Trump. Uh, love in the age of the slide towards authoritarianism. How can we love each other better? That's a big question. Mm. You want to go first, Patrick, or you want me to take the uh, honors, I guess? <laughs> uh, either way. Okay, so I'll go first. I think that um, love is a beautiful thing, and I think that one of the ways, one of the many ways that we can love each other better, I think on a more, more along the lines of an unconditional type tone, is to put down our judgments of each other. Um, put down our, um, you know, we we should stop critiquing each other so severely. I mm-hmm. think once we come to a place where we can accept um, each other as we are and help each other along the way in a form of guiding as opposed to um, dictating, um, you know, along our own personal or individual journeys, I think we would be, we would open ourselves up to be in a much better place, a state where we can love or experiencing loving one another on unconditional terms or better, as you say. I ain't going to take up all the stuff. I'm going to let Patrick, you know, get in on this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm going to stop there. Patrick. All right. <laughs> So, you know, I I would say two things, and one of them comes from a quote that I've seen uh, actually uh, in Lisa's office, which is basically, I'm going to summarize it here, Um, and I actually wrote a song about this one, be kind to the people you meet. They've all got their own battles, Uh right? uh They're all fighting their own battles. Um, And the other one is just um, instead of, Arguing, I think arguing and debating is our default now. I think it's our default way to talk about politics. Um, Try to understand Mm -hmm. why someone feels the way they did, the way they do, why they voted the way they did. Mm -hmm. Try to understand, you know, because I think that, and this may be my own prejudice, but I believe that a lot of people who bought into Trump's message did so because they bought into the fear. Yes. So mm. the question is, what are they really afraid of? And I think they bought into the dissatisfaction with their own lives because the media tells them they should have something. Their parents or grandparents had something. And mm-hmm. we're now getting into the generation that is going to earn less than their parents. Well, they're yeah. not going to earn less than their parents because we have deflation. They're going to earn less than their parents because our corporate culture of corporate greed and capitalism has taken over. 
No one ever stole a job from you. Corporations took it overseas. So see, now I'm already, I've already moved into arguing again. It's really hard, very <laughs> uh, difficult yes. to, to really it try is. and understand what someone's afraid of. Um, because uh, until you get that, to that point, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to make any progress in understanding them. Yes. They say that the two emotions that we experience are love and fear. Yes. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's easy to to think that your fear translates into love and vice versa. Um, but mm-hmm. I think one of the things that your music helps us to do is understand that it's okay to explore both and mm-hmm. to explore the connection Absolutely. between both. Um, and that yes. sometimes they both exist together, you know. So that, yep. that's right. one of the things that I take away from hearing hearing you all perform together. <laughs> And I just want to say, as we wrap up, thank you for sticking together, collaborating, performing, making good music, and um, showing that it doesn't matter (laughs) what your pedigree is. You know, (laughs) it really matters that you have, like you said, Bethlehem, earlier, creativity, being owning that and and, and being fearless in going forward with that. Mm -hmm. So I want to thank you both for joining me today on Voices for Racial Healing. Thank you for having us. Oh, no yes, problem. Thank you so much for having us, Tisha. No problem. Um, and check them out online at bsadmusic.com. They're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Yes. <laughs> and um, yes. YouTube. Um, the corner, your backyard, yes. your living room, <laughs> yes, your nightclub, your stadium. And if you're, not, if, you're, if you're in Philly and you haven't heard these two live, then you, you need to go and hide yourself and think about your life. No, go you need check to come them out, out live. Yes. Check them out live. So uh, check their calendar out and support these independent artists who are, you know, who are working at it, grinding, and showing us that it's okay to to hold both love and fear in the same space. Thank you so much mm. uh, for joining me today. I really, Thank really, you really, really appreciate it. And we as I wrap up, you. yeah, I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. You're welcome to come back anytime. Um, Thanks. You know, in the future to, to, you know, promote what you're doing, share what you're working on. Um, so you can find Voices for Racial Healing on the web at VoicesForRacialHealing.com or on Twitter at HealRacismUSA. You can use the hashtag Voices for Racial Healing when tweeting us. You can get information on Instagram about the podcast at Racism is a Sickness, the art installation and community engagement project that started it all. And consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Learn more and sign up today at www.patreon.com. Voices backslash Voices for Racial Healing and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Tishka Smith and all my links to my social media platforms can be found at TishkaSmith.com Thank you so much everyone for joining me on Voices for Racial Healing Have a great weekend Thank you Tish Thank Thank you You too honey Bye Bye Bye